Hello, Calm 122 podcast listeners. This week, we will talk about the economic conditions of media production, with a focus on the transformative role of digitalization. Due to the quarantine, I'm recording this from home, so I apologize for any change in mic quality. That aside, let's get into the podcast. First, let's refresh a point I made earlier in the semester, which is that the media business is a high-risk one. It's expensive to produce content, and there is great uncertainty over what is going to sell. In this week's class, Professor Wayne breaks down four types of costs associated with media production. The first cost, development costs, are the costs of the creative phase of media goods, such as songwriting, scriptwriting, and composing music. In the development stage, media organizations make advanced payments to creative talents as an incentive for them to complete the commissioned work. We discussed in class why some songwriters and scriptwriters went on strike. The main reason is often about these talents failing that they are not getting a fair share of the profits from the media products. The second cost is production cost, that is the cost of actually making the good. In some ways, digital technologies have greatly reduced the production cost, as global outsourcing platforms such as Upwork.com make it easier for local media organizations to scout creative talents around the world at a more affordable rate. The free open source software movement, also known as FOSS, has produced numerous free computer programs for media content creation and editing, allowing amateurs and less resourceful organizations to produce content professionally. The third cost is distribution and marketing. For traditional media, content is often delivered through a physical media, be it a CD or DVD disc or a cassette tape. These physical media tend to cost more to create, store, and ship, so digitalization can significantly cut the cost of distribution because nowadays, Content is stored in the cloud and distributed over the internet. One thing about cloud storage and delivery is that there is no cap on how many media products can be stored. Unlike in brick-and-mortar stores, where the number of media products to be displayed and sold is constrained by physical space. Due to the freed-up storage and delivery capacity, the so-called long-tail effect comes into play. Previously, in the era of physical retail, media organizations and retailers would prioritize selling blockbusters, top albums, and bestsellers because their inventory is limited by physical space, so they have to reserve the scarce physical space for the items that have the most potential for creating profits. Those top-selling products are only a few, but contribute most to the store's revenue. The rest of the products, that is, the majority of the products available in the market, don't sell as easily as the top ones. Because of this, they tend to be dropped off store shelves due to the limited storefront and screen time. Because online platforms are not constrained by the scarcity in storage and delivery, the majority of less popular products can be stored and made available online without costing extra for the media business. In fact, these less popular products would find their niche audience online. That is why according to Chris Anderson, products in low demand or that have a low sales volume can collectively make up a large market share, exceeding the relative small share of bestsellers and blockbusters. If you want to learn more about the long tail theory, head to YouTube and search Chris Anderson, Long Tail, and TED Talk. The last cost is overhead, that is, expenses required to maintain media institutions, such as the infrastructure and operations of the studios, salaries of the studio and label staff. Okay, that's all for this episode. Please stay tuned for the next episode on the funding model and the structure of the U.S. Broadcast Network. Stay safe and make sure to sanitize your hands.